Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. As we head into the holidays, we want to know what you're reading. What's on your nightstand or device right now? What's the best book you've read this year? Which books would you suggest as gifts? We'd love to hear about any book you're reading, including in the young adult and children's categories. One suggestion, or many are welcome, and we're compiling this hour a UPR community book list. And you'll be able to find that just a little bit later today on our website, upr.org. You can call us, 800-826-1495, with your book or book list, 800-826-1495. Or you can email us to upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com. We're on Twitter as well, at upraxcess. We'll also get reading suggestions a little bit later this hour from Ann Holman with the King's English Bookshop and Annie Nettles from Back of Beyond Books in Moab. Uh, here in studio, UPR friend and avid reader Lane Thatcher joins us for the hour, as she always Hi, does. Thank Tom. you. Nice to be here again. Uh, <clears throat> and I mentioned in passing, you head up Summerfest, so it's middle of winter here. Where's <laughs> Summerfest We're right now? We're just getting busy now. It's uh, our applications for artists and food vendors and everything open this Saturday. Yeah. So it's the beginning of our, our busy time. A lot of preparation needed. Yep. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Uh, let me jump in with uh, an email that we've received before the program started. This is from uh, Lisa, our uh, staff assistant here at UPR. Thanks, Lisa. She says, I'm currently reading, again, The Seven Miracles That Saved America by Chris and Ted Stewart. I have uh, a great, great interest in the history of America. The authors have a way of narrating events that just captivate me. I find it engaging and difficult to put down. So that's The Seven Miracles That Saved America by Chris and Ted Stewart. Chris Stewart, of course, is a congressman. I wondered if that was him. Yeah. Uh, and uh, author, who's an author before he became a congressman, I guess he continues. And Ted Stewart is a federal judge. So, and I assume they're brothers. They're brothers. <clears throat> I, I don't know about the other siblings, but uh, those parents <laughs> did something right, right? <laughs> yeah, got, I guess got so. some accomplished sons. <laughs> uh, I've interviewed them both, and uh, good interviews. Um, and most recently, Ted Stewart about the uh, Supreme Court. So mm-hmm. uh, he has a book out uh, separately on on that. So uh, Lisa uh, Finch uh, says the Seven Miracles That Saved America by Chris and Ted Stewart. So Elaine, what's uh, top of your list? Well, I would have to say The Poisonwood Bible by Barbara Kingsolver. You know, I'm, I'm always lagging behind the trends. I, I'm never reading what's currently on the bestseller list. Uh, but um, I had read all of Kingsolver's early work, and she's a beautiful writer. Oh, my goodness. Just, uh, it's almost poetry, you know. And um, so I had put off. I've had this copy sitting around for years, and I finally decided to read it. And I'm telling you, it is just a stunning book. It's uh, the story of a family of uh, Christian missionaries who go to um, Congo um, in the uh, 60s, 1960s, and what happens to them, their whole family. And it's, it is a truly stunning book. It's just, it takes each character, particularly the women, but, but how the father influences those their daughters and the wife and how they're all influenced by his choices, but also their own. Um, I highly recommend it. And I've I've heard so much of Barbara, Barbara Kingsolver. I haven't read any of her books. I oh, should, you need to. She's I just should fix that. Yeah. an amazing writer. Yeah. Okay. So tell me again the title. Uh, the Poisonwood Bible. Poisonwood Bible. By the way, um, <clears throat> I, I, well, I'm throwing this question out to listeners. I should ask you, Elaine. And this is an unfair question. You can think on it if you don't have an immediate answer. What's the best book you've read this year? You know, I was when you were talking about it earlier. I thought. 
I have no idea. (laughs) I mean, certainly this one is is right at the top of the list. But my problem is I would need to look at my list of the books I've read because I can't remember what I've read when, you know. Yeah, that's my problem. (laughs) So maybe it's an age thing. I don't know. But, uh, But certainly Poisonwood Bible is right up there. And what book would you give as a gift, do you think? Oh, gosh. Well, um, you know, I just was thinking about, uh, I think you've interviewed her about this, Laurel Thatcher Ulrich's uh, latest on um, uh, polygamy. Um, A House Full of Females? Yes. Mm -hmm. And um, I haven't read that yet. And, uh, you know, if somebody wants to give me a gift, they can get me that. Okay. (laughs) Suggesting to give a gift to you. Okay. All right. Yeah, we could turn that around. Very good. This is the book I would like. So we're putting that out to all of Elaine's friends and family. She would like Laurel <laughs> Thatcher Ulrich's A House Full of Females, which is a wonderful book, by the way. Um, for me, if I'm answering that question, it might be what I'm reading right now, I guess. You which, know, I is? Have this, which is? Which uh, is Lincoln oh. by uh, David Herbert Donald. Um, I, I was uh, tooling around as I was reading this, I was th- because I have the advantage of I, I could possibly reach out and interview the author, mm-hmm. which is sometimes I, I do. Uh, uh, for example, recently uh, just reached out, and uh, um, now I'm forgetting his name. Um, he's a wonderful historian. Well, it'll come to me, and, 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 and we got him on. Yeah. Um, David Herbert Donald is unfortunately dead, so we can't. I can't do that. <laughs> so this is the 90s, and uh, but what a wonderful uh, biography he says in his uh, his preface. That he set out to give him uh, to give himself the task of writing the Lincoln, um, writing Lincoln uh, only from those sources and that perspective which Lincoln would have had. Hmm. In other words, not too much omniscience or yeah. or or the you know the scope of history from our perspective. And so he gets uh, very effectively into Lincoln's psychology. Oh. Uh, what Lincoln, you know express that he thought of of the events does it go into you know i mean there are t- people who say he was depressed yeah a lot of the time. yes mm-hmm. yes gets it gets into that uh, definitely was uh you know had bouts of melancholy gets into uh lincoln and mary todd lincoln's marriage mm-hmm. and i had had a view of uh i guess m- more negative about mary todd lincoln than apparently lincoln he was a good husband but he was pretty he was kind of distant I can imagine. He was yeah. he was distant, um, and uh, I mean they definitely loved each other, but but it was it was a, it was a marriage with mm. some difficulties. I haven't read a lot of Civil War history, but I I loved um, Team of Rivals. Yeah, Dor- wonderful, Doris, wonderful, Doris book. wonderful book, wonderful book. Yeah. yeah, and uh, I'm I'm just getting to the point in the book right now where Lincoln is gearing up for 1860, and just beginning to think maybe. I could be a presidential nominee, mm. or at least a vice president. Yeah, what, he didn't what? think of himself as, as presidential timber because he was a one-term congressman. He'd served three terms in the state legislature. He'd failed twice for the Senate. Mm-hmm. Um, and at he's beginning point, to get a yeah. reputation. At what point does somebody get to that point where they say, hmm, maybe I'll run for president? Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think the same as today, he looked around at the current president, James Buchanan and the previous one, Franklin Pierce, and the ones before, and he told himself, "Hey, I might be able to do better than those guys, right?" <laughs> yep. So, um, but it's just fascinating that he was—I mean, he was—you uh, know—by uh, compared to the uh, some of the other people he's running against, uh, you could say totally unprepared for the presidency, and yet mm-hmm. completely prepared for what he needed to do. Yeah, so. and yet now 
most people can think of him as our greatest yes. president. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It certainly rose to the occasion. Uh, so just a fascinating, fascinating book. So uh, David Herbert Donald Lincoln, is. I'm, I'm really enjoying that and uh, suggest that for anyone. What's next on your list? Well, um, you know, it, there are a number of other really great books that I read, um, but I thought I would mention um, On the De- On the Death Beat by J.S. Bateman. Now, if you know who he is, he lives in Hyde Park. Oh, he um, does? Jeff, I'm not Jeff familiar Bateman. With him. Okay. He was the head of the um, ROTC program for some time, Air Force ROC, ROTC. Um, I had read a book that he um, collaborated with. And now I forget her name, uh, another local author. And they, they wrote a book about Logan during um, World War One. Oh, yes. A wonderful well, book, yeah. <clears throat> and it was pretty good, yeah. And um, the On the Death Beat, I think, is an earlier effort. And it's not as uh, as tight as you would want it to be. But um, it's very interesting. It, again, takes place in Logan. And it is about a young reporter at the local newspaper, which isn't the Herald Journal, it's some other name anyway, but uh, uh, on a string of murders of old people. So uh, it has a bit of a surprise uh, twist in it, and I thought it was a fun read, you know, and especially when you're reading about something local, you know, it's, uh, I mean, it's it's totally novel, it's total fiction, but um, it was fun. Um, So... I, you know, if people like to read local authors, uh, I'd, I'd recommend that one. Uh, so tell us good, the author and title? The author is J.S. Bateman, and it's On the Death Beat. Because on the this, Death Beat, b- okay. Because this young uh, reporter is assigned to write obituaries. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that <coughs> sounds interesting. Uh, by the way, the, uh, the uh, prominent historian who I totally blanked on his name is Joseph Ellis. Oh, <laughs> and we uh, a new book, uh, American Dialogue: The Founders and Us, which I really enjoyed. Uh, he he uh, takes uh, four figures: John Adams, James Madison, George Washington, and I forget the fourth one, and then uh, uh, matches them to an issue which is very current still today. So oh, cool. Thomas Jefferson and race. Um, so forth, so on. I Alexander found Hamilton, maybe? Might have been. I don't think it was Hamilton. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Um, so, anyway, American Dialogue, The Founders and Us, I recommend that one. Joseph Ellis is uh, was a wonderful uh, conversation with him. Uh, in any case, we have uh, now joining us Ann Holman from the King's Great. English uh, Bookshop. Hi, Ann. Hi, Tom. Hi, Lane. Hi. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, so I'm yeah, sh- thanks I'm, for having me. I'm sure you've got some suggestions for uh, good gift giving. Um, uh, uh, let me let me start out with you with this question we're throwing out to listeners. Uh, this is a totally unfair question. What's the best book you've read this year? Well, it's it's hard for me to pick. I, mm-hmm. I have five that I love, but I might have to say Whiskey When We're Dry. It's a debut book from John Larison. I believe he's from California, and it's a novel of the Old West. And you don't really know where. It could be Utah. It could be Wyoming. You, you just get that flavor. Jesse and Noah, um, their their mother's dad and their father has kind of taken to drinking his cough syrup. So <laughs> they spend their days while he's kind of off uh, in a drunken stupor teaching each other how to sharpshoot because their father has guns. And it, and their father gets in a big fight with Noah one day, and Noah runs away. He's a teenager. He's old enough to think he can do that. And Jesse's left to kind of deal with her dad. And um, before long, the father 
kind of wanders off and dies. And Jessie decides to go and find her brother. And she knows that she's not safe to do that as a young woman in the Old West. And so she dresses up as a boy and becomes a sharpshooter. And she's hired by the governor of this state that you're never really sure. And it's kind of a, it's kind of a reminiscent of True Grit. You've got this young girl trying to find her brother, trying to stay safe, and she's actually a really, really good shooter. And so she becomes wildly successful, and before you know it, of course, her brother comes along, who's become a kind of a Robin Hood-type figure. And so it's the story of these two young people and how they're finding their place in the world. But I think for those of us that love to read about the West, you know, the, what happened back in the day. Uh, it's just a really, really good story, and a tender love story, as it turns out in the end. Oh, that sounds, that sounds whiskey great. Whiskey when we're dry. Yeah. Whiskey when we're dry. You know, one thing... Okay. Uh, whiskey so, when we're dry. Okay. Uh, let me... Let me pilot, John Larison. Uh, by, who's the author again? John Larison. John Larison. Sorry, I keep interrupting. I just want to uh, pause you there, and we have a caller. I want to make sure we get him in. Sure. Um, John in Moab has called us. Uh, John, glad you called well, good morning. Um, I've got an author I want to recommend, and I'm reading one of his books now. It came out um, two years ago in 2016, but uh, I'm looking uh, in the you know the front front pages of the book, and this guy's written like, several dozen books. The author is Edward O. Wilson. Oh yes, he won a Pulitzer Prize, and yes, he's that ant guy. That mm-hmm. you always That's see right. On That's right. Yeah, and. Um, Turns out, and I didn't know this, but he's also quite a humanist and quite a philosopher. Mm-hmm. And a lot of his books are, say, uh, uh, hang on, I just lost it, are, are about things like um, meaning of human existence. He, that came out in 2014. and Social conquest of Earth. And so he's kind of a sociologist, um, you know, he writes about specific topics that might be, you know, in the natural, say, world. But he writes also about how us humans relate to our planet. And the book I'm reading now is Half Earth, Our Planets Fight for Life. And um, he's suggesting that right now, while the planet is still in a good, viable condition, we haven't destroyed it entirely, that we should set aside about half the earth and allow it to regenerate. Hmm. And it's a great idea. <clears throat> it's an idea that, I, you know, probably no one else would think about, but this Ant-Man who, who spends his life looking at the tiniest things also is looking at the biggest of things, our entire planet. That's, uh, that's so interesting. That's, he is that's a, he's a, a great writer. And I have a second recommendation, which okay. is by someone... A small book of poems, not one of those huge tabletop anthologies that are the size of a dictionary, but something, you know, that they can carry with them. And because poems are like these, say, condensed essence of an idea or of an observation or of a thought or of a feeling into a very small number of lines. And so they're like nice little bites. 
True. And it doesn't a, matter which poet. So I you're think. not you're not recommending a specific book, just telling people no, that they really ought to no, read some poetry. Just, yeah. Because most people don't think of poetry. Most people think of poetry as like you know that academic thing, you know, and Emily Dixon Dickinson and Robert Frost and you know a bunch of people that are now dead. There's poets alive. And, you know, poets. I just want everyone to know poets are alive, and they are. So different. Every poet is so different from every other poet, and yet what they do is all exactly the same. We have some outstanding poets here in Utah. Yeah, um, you there know, you go. Living um, and dead. We have, we, you know, in maybe fact. You can name a few, um, but anyway, that's my input. Okay, thank you, John. So, uh, uh, any book by Edward O. Wilson, including <clears throat> Half Earth, and uh, buy someone a small book of poems. All right, thanks. Uh, you know, I read. Uh, E.O. Wilson wrote a novel many years ago called Ant Hill, and it's maybe my favorite thing he's ever written. Oh. And it's about a little boy who's used to running around in the in the local national park, and he and he starts studying these ants and realizes that the only way to save that part of his world is to grow up and become an attorney. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> <And> lobby. <laughs> lobby. Good. It's really good. It's got right. a lot of funny humor in it, too, Very good. actually. Uh, be- before we uh, get to the rest of your uh, uh, books, Anne, uh, I want to fit these in. Um, let's see. Uh, Karen in Logan recommends A Gentleman in Moscow by Amor Towles, or Amor Towles. Oh, I love that book. You're familiar with that. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then yes, uh, Paris... Paris in the Present Tense by Mark Helprin. She says yeah. she says both are fantastic novels about older people, grown-ups. She says that's Karen and Logan. Uh, so, Anne, tell us about a gentleman in Moscow. So it takes place in the early um, early early twentieth century. The Russian Revolution is is underway, and this man, he's a, a duke, if I'm not mistaken, is arrested and sent to live in the in a hotel in downtown Moscow, and he never leaves it again. And that's kind of the gentleman's way of being under arrest. And he becomes kind of a fixture in this hotel. He lives upstairs. He comes down for breakfast. He befriends everybody. And as time goes by, you're getting a history of Russia over the decades, all the way from, I, I want to say it maybe starts in 1918, 1913, all the way up until the 60s. And people come and go. And politics comes and goes, and he doesn't. And he's charming, he's funny, he's smart. His friends get to come and visit him, so he doesn't have a... a, a, He's not completely cut off from the universe. Um, Big, big surprise ending. Wonderful characters. It's it's been such a popular book that it's still in hardcover after, I think, two years, two and a half years. Mm. No sign of it coming out in paperback. Um, A Gentleman in Moscow is... That's a treat for anybody and everybody. Okay, wonderful. Uh, let's uh, hear about your next the next book on your list, um, Anne. Okay, the next book I loved was called Bearskin. It's by James McLaughlin, and as it turns out, he is a local author. Uh, we didn't know him. <clears throat> he's an attorney here in Salt Lake, and apparently he's been very busy um, in his basement writing this great book. And <laughs> so, here it is. Uh, by, by the way, the by the way, Ann, uh, he came. He drove up to Logan to be on our program. I appreciated that. Oh, he, so you met he, him? He, he says it. Did you he read says, that book yet, Tom? I, I did. A wonderful book. Uh, go ahead. Oh my gosh! Well, Rice is uh, just a <laughs> funny character. You know, he's been on the wrong side of the law pretty much on purpose for the better part of his life, 
and he's trying to escape from the the Mexican Sinaloa cartel, and he finds himself in Virginia on this sanctuary as the caretaker, and he's trying to stay in hiding, but then he discovers these bear poachers, and he's he's seriously trying to keep the bear poachers at bay, and the the topic is is serious, but the humor is, it's just, I never thought I would think a book about the Sinaloa was funny, but it's really got some <laughs> funny scenes in it. And I understand he's working on a couple of sequels to it, and one one will go back and revisit the Sinaloa and how he got started on this life of crime. And I think another one is going to take place, you know, after the end after this book ends. Uh, but anyway, Bearskin by James McLaughlin. I just thought that, well, that was sounds terrific. great. Yeah, yeah, but well worth the read. Um, uh, what's next on your list? Next on my list is a debut from Fatima Farheen Mirza, and it's called A Place for Us. And it's a story of an Indian family. Um, the parents were in an arranged marriage. They're living in California, and they have three children. Um, as the book opens, it's the oldest daughter's wedding, and it's a very traditional Indian wedding. And the son has come home. And you understand right away that he's been gone, he's been shamed, you don't really know what's happened, and then it jumps back in time to how this family got started in America, and yet they're still part of a very, very traditional Indian culture in their community. What I loved about it, it's a, it's a terrific story, but what I really loved about it was, as the years go by and the seasons go by, you celebrate these Indian holidays with them, and so you really go through Eid and um the way they dress and the things that they eat. And it's just so different from me as a, as a person celebrating Christmas and Easter. It was really, really good. And it gave me, I thought, a better understanding of how, yes, people are different and, yes, people are the same. So, And we all grieve the same way. We all feel happy the same way. Um, and just because our holidays are different doesn't mean we're different. I really loved it. Hmm. So tell us again the and title then, and an author. Huh? Uh, tell us again the title oh, and author. Fat- Fatima Farheen Mirza. Wonder, wonderful. And it's called and A Place for that's Us? A, that's a debut. It's called A Place for Us. Okay. I really yeah. loved that. Yeah, that, that sounds and great. And I probably talked about Norwegian by Night last year or the year before. It's a mystery that we've all loved so much. And the new book is called American by Day. And we met Sigrid Odegaard in Norwegian by Night. She was the Oslo police officer. In the new book, she's going to America because her brother's disappeared. And she's very funny, and she meets a sheriff. It takes place in upstate New York. His name's Irv, and he's very (laughs) funny. It's a serious mystery. She really is trying to find her brother. But there's a scene in there where they go to the Cheesecake Factory that I laugh so hard (laughs) because she's so stymied by the way Americans work and think <laughs> and consume and she keeps asking these questions and you just, it's very very fun so if you haven't read Norwegian by Night by Derek Miller I would start there that sounds good uh, and then move on to American by Day very very fun okay we have a caller uh, I want to uh, pause you in and, and fit the caller in uh, is uh, Catherine Kathleen it's Kathleen Tavarakor uh, okay in Springdale Yes. Understand. Okay, well, glad you called. What's uh, what's on your list? So, um, I'm reading right now a book by a local author called The Last Wilderness, Alaska's Rugged Coast, by Michael McBride. And um, it's a story about him and his wife, Diane, 
who created uh, the Ketchmick Bay Lodge in near Homer, Alaska, at China Poot Bay. And it's um, written in a kind of interesting style where there's lots of uh, small um, anecdotal bits that he writes that he's put together. It seems like journal entries. But it's a really interesting book about two people who, back in the 60s, went to Alaska uh, not as the first pioneers, but maybe the second or third generation pioneers, and the uh, famous lodge that they have created there. And uh, it's kind of one of these books that you would pick up, read a little bit, it gives you lots of color and flavor for Alaska, and then put down. So, And Michael McBride and Diane McBride live in Springdale in the winters. So it's an interesting uh, book to if you want to just get a feel for things. Um, the second book is The Looming Tower by Lawrence Wright. I read that about uh, in January of last of this year, and I couldn't put it down. It's basically the story of 9-11 from way back uh, when, um, in the 40s, when an Egyptian, I don't have his name off the top of my head, first came to Colorado, and how um, the American culture affected him, and then he wrote a treatise, about uh, Islam and present-day Islam back in the 60s that motivated many of the 9-11, I guess, or the the rise of this Arab nationalism. So um, it was the first book since 9-11 that I've read that actually gave me a true story about what the heck, uh, how this developed. And he also talks about John O'Neill, who, it turns out, my cousin worked for John O'Neill, which is how I uh, learned about the book, my cousin Michael Kaur, who was an FBI agent in New York City during 9-11. And so it talks about John, o- John O'Neill was one of the few people that had insight into what was going on, but how this, there was a rift between the CIA and the FBI and how that information never got passed to each other. And John O'Neill died, and I think... Uh, I can't remember if it was the North or the South Tower. I think it was the South Tower. So anyway, those are my... So what was that title again? Give us, give us that title again. The Looming Tower. The Looming Tower. By Lawrence Wright, you said? Yes. And, mm-hmm. and give us the title of the first book you mentioned again. Uh, the first book is The Last Wilderness, Alaska's Rugged Coast by Michael McBride. Okay, those sound great. We'll put those on the list. Thank you. Thank you. you. Yeah, thank you very much. Appreciate that. That's uh, Kathleen in uh, Springdale. Uh, so uh, before we go to break, um, Ann Holman, what's uh, give us the rest of your yeah, list here? What's next? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let me talk. Let me talk really quickly about a few kids' books. Our favorite Christmas book this year is actually not about Christmas. It's called All of a Kind Family Hanukkah, and it's a darling story about a family in. Um, early early 20th century New York, and the youngest girl just wants to help. And there's so many things that she's too little to help with. But finally, she gets to help with some of the latkes, and she gets to light the first candle. And it's just a darling picture book. Oh, that sounds and great. Then is, yeah, it's really cute. The illustrations are by Paul Zelensky, so you just, they're just darling. And then um, one of my favorite picture books this year is called, Is That You, Eleanor Sue? And it's about a little girl. She gets up every morning and she dresses up in a fantastic costume and she runs around the back and knocks on the front door and her mother answers the door and says hello who are you and eleanor sue is always somebody different 
and her mother invites her in, and they have tea, and they talk about who she is. Her mother takes it very seriously. And they get to the end of the book, and she dresses up like her grandmother. She runs around the back of the house. She knocks on the front door, and her mother is dressed up like her grandmother. And she says, hello, would you like to come in? And she comes in, and they're having tea, and there's a knock on the door, and it's really Eleanor Sue's grandmother. And it's so charming that all three women are dressed alike. Oh, wow. <laughs> and Eleanor Sue takes off her costume, and they say, oh, Eleanor Sue, it's you. <laughs> that's a cute, get-in-your-lap, read-aloud book. Oh, that's, that's fun. Great. And, then that's one, fun. and then my last pick is um, The Dark Deep. It's by local author Ali Condi and Brendan Reich's middle reader chapter book. It's got just enough scary and just enough friendship, and just enough, you know, what's going to happen next. That it's not too scary for the younger readers, but lots and lots of fun. And that's the beginning of a series that they're going to do together that we're very excited about. And so the first one is called The Dark Deep. It's about a strange island. Great. Oh, that's wonderful. That strange sounds, islands are yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. They, they are. Yeah. A good, <laughs> good, good to visit in books, yeah. Uh, but before we get, let you go, Ann Holman, we had, um, oh, a few months ago, we had uh, Ann Cannon on. Um, oh. and and the book that you you guys there put together from her Salt Lake Tribune columns. I'll tell you what was the title of the book. I'll tell uh, you what. That's right. So uh, she's no, del- she's delightful. A, yeah, a publishing company. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Um, so <laughs> um, so this is this is these are sayings. I'll tell you what is a saying of Lavelle Edwards, uh, Anne's uh. Anne's father. Uh, so I just wanted to put that plug in there for. Uh, that would be on my list of the best books of, of the year. Is, uh, I'll tell you what, Dan Cannon's book. Oh, Me too. Great. Me too. Yeah. That's the perfect book for everybody in Utah. Yeah. <laughs> well, Ann Holman, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Uh-huh. Thanks. thanks. Good to talk to you. Bye, Lane. Bye-bye. Good, good to talk to you. Uh, let me get uh, a couple of these uh, emails in before we go to break. Then we'll go to break, and, uh, and then in the next half hour, we'll have uh, Annie Nettle from uh, Back of Beyond Books on with us. We'll get uh, more on your list, Elaine, more on mine. Uh, so this is uh, Steve in Beaver Dam, Arizona. Uh, Steve says, I may have recommended Flirting with French in a prior Access Utah book segment a year or two ago, but I'm rereading it now and am thus reminded what a good read this memoir really is. The book is the American by the American writer William... Uh, I, I should just read it as I'm trying to correct him on the phone. He doesn't need correcting. Sorry, Steve. The book is the American writer William Alexander's story of his Herculean efforts to conquer the French language. Part personal memoir, part cultural observation, and part review of linguistic science. It's always engaging and especially appealing to Francophiles like me. Uh, let me tell you the reason I'm reading uh, Flirting with French for a second time. Among Alexander's methods of second language acquisition was language immersion uh, school, and he thoroughly researched the field, found the institution which he judged the best of all of them, and attended it for two weeks. Pronunciation of the name of the school is so difficult for the American tongue that Alexander devotes an entire paragraph to its unpronounceability, so I won't burden you with it here. <laughs> he describes his experience at the school in the chapter titled Bot Camp, B-O-T-T-E, Camp. I leave the translation to you, and after reading the book the first time, I did the same. I spent two weeks there in September and October, so naturally, I'm reading the book again with a new perspective. That's interesting. I'd like yeah. to talk to Steve about that. By the way, one of the people copied on this note is an instructor 
director at the French Immersion School the author and I both attended, and he identifies her in the book as his favorite. She was mine, too. My hunch is that she's fluent in English and thus able to read this note with ease. But I cannot be certain, as I've never heard her utter a word in any language other than French. You see, at the school, converting, conversing in any language that is not French is strictly verboten. That's nice, <laughs> nice, nice ending there, Steve. So, uh, Steve is recommending William Alexander's book, Flirting with French. That sounds uh, interesting. And then this from Jake and Hiram. Jake is recommending David Grand's The White Darkness, a posthumous telling of Henry Worsley's solo attempt to cross Antarctica in 2015-2016. Oh, so, in, so a very recent uh, a, attempt at exploration uh, and posthumous telling, so mm-hmm. maybe didn't go so well. Anyway, that uh, sounds like a fascinating book, David Grand's The White Darkness. He's also recommending Howard Massey's The Great British Recording Studios. This is the story of the iconic British facilities where many of the most important recordings of all time were made. That's Howard Massey's The Great British Recording Studios. Finally, Jake and Hiram recommends Thomas King's Amelia Earhart, Unrescued. It's a historical fiction story woven around the history, archaeology, and environment of a remote island, visualizing what Amelia Earhart and navigator Fred Noonan may have experienced offering a solution to the mystery. Thomas King's Amelia Earhart, Unrescued. Some Hmm. interesting books there. Thank you. Well, let's do take a break now. When we come back, uh, we will uh, have more of Elaine's books, more of mine, and we'll be talking with Andy Nettles from Back of Beyond Books, hopefully with you as well. Uh, Call 800-826-1495, 800-826-1495 to uh, speak with us on air. Or you can email us your list to upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com. And we're on Twitter at upraxcess. More following this. Support for holiday programming on Utah Public Radio is brought to you in part by our members and Intermountain Connect Care, providing urgent care from Intermountain whenever and wherever you need it by using a smartphone, tablet, or computer to connect with an Intermountain clinician. Details available by texting CARE to 385-213-1276. The 20 million U.S. registered voters who list the environment as a top priority often don't vote. People who are likely to really care about the environment are also more likely to be young, African-American, or Latino. I'm Steve Kerwood. Why eco-voters often skip the ballot box next time on Living on Earth from PRI. Coming up this morning at 10 on Utah Public Radio. Are you looking for a way to make your nonprofit organization more visible to our statewide community? Utah Public Radio's community calendar highlights events across the state, including musical performances, festivals, live theater, art shows, dance, educational or guest lectures, workshops, volunteer opportunities, and more. We have a more user-friendly submission page. Just visit the UPR website at upr.org and click on the community calendar link. There, you can review the submission guidelines. Thanks for listening to Access Utime. Tom Williams. Uh, we want to know what you're reading. What's on your nightstand or device right now? What is the best book you've read all year? Which books would you suggest as gifts? And we'd love to hear about any book you're reading, including the young adult and children's categories. One suggestion, and many are welcome. We are compiling a UPR community book list soon at the end of the program. Uh, we will have the list up on our website, upr.org. You can email us to upraxis at gmail.com. We've got about uh, about uh, 18 minutes left in the program. upraxis at gmail.com. 
or you can call us, 800-826-1495. Soon we'll be talking with Andy Nettle from Back of Beyond Books. Elena, I've, I've been putting an S on his name, so I'll have to apologize to him. Oh. <laughs> Andy Nettle from Back of Beyond <clears throat> Books. Uh, what's next on your list, Elena? Well, I, you know, I read a lot this time. I think maybe we had a little longer period uh, between shows this time, so I got a lot, of, a lot more reading done. But um, I think I will mention uh, this one is classified as a youth book. Um, it's a novel, All the Truth That's in Me by Julie Berry. <coughs> Excuse me. And it's um, uh, set in a a non-specific place and time, although to me it has a sort of a Puritan feel, you know, like it might have been in Virginia, or, or not Virginia, but Massachusetts or something like that. Um, uh, anyway, um, it's a young woman who uh, is abducted, disappears for a couple of years and returns with her tongue cut out. Wow. So she cannot speak. And it's about, um, you know, things going on in this village and her regaining her voice eventually. Um, It's, it's, a really lovely book. I really, mm. I really liked it. All the truth that's in me, uh, Julie right, Berry. Julie Berry. That name struck a bell, and I, I looked her up here. I've interviewed her on the previous book, The Passion of Dulce. Oh yes. I'm yes. not sure if you read. I that I haven't one. read that one. No. Yeah, that's a wonderful book. She's a wonderful writer. Really. Yeah, it's, yeah. It was a very nice book, and um, um, and and it has sort of a a truth to tell, you mm-hmm. know, so to speak. All the truth that's in me, um, and that's Julie Berry. Uh, so before we bring on Andy Nettle from Back of Beyond Books, another sure. On your um, list, um, uh, the Summer Before the War by Helen Simonson, which was you know recommended me, to me by a friend who kind of favors kind of fluffy uh, period novels and cozy mysteries, and you know I can only do that so so much, you mm-hmm. know. But um, but actually, this one turned out to be a much more substantial storytelling than uh than you might expect in that in that case uh it's um it takes place 1914 in england um a village and a young woman who goes there to be a teacher and then all of the people she meets and the class the class distinctions the pressures going on and then you end up actually with some of the characters over um in in Flanders and and France and um, the the way their experiences shape them, but it's the cultural mores of the time, especially for a young woman. You know, expectations are of a certain sort, and uh, you know she isn't even expected to handle her own finances in in many ways. And so, um, it's uh, I really enjoyed that one a lot. Tell us, get the title in the book. The, the Summer Before the War by Helen Simonson. Okay, I should have said the title and the author, but uh, yeah, you, you knew what I meant. <laughs> All right, we bring in uh, Andy Nettle from Back Beyond Books. Uh, welcome back to the program. Well, thank you, Tom. It's been a little while. I appreciate you yeah. inviting me back. Yeah, it's 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 wonderful. Uh, so, what's top of your list here? Oh, I've got a great stack for the holidays, and I will start off with a Workman Press book titled. 1,000 Books to Read Before You Die, A Life-Changing List by <laughs> James Mustich. And this is a long line of uh, 100 books, 1,000 trails, 1,000 wines that you should drink, etc. But for us literary types, it doesn't get much better in that 1,000 books to read before you die. Are you ever going to get that many? <laughs> That's right. And so you can sit down and just randomly open this book and I just opened it to page 370, Zen and the Art of motorcycle. Not Motorcycle Maintenance, oh. but 
Archery. Really? By Eugene Harrigal. Target Practice for the Soul. It's under Religion and Spirituality. I had never heard of that book, and yet it. I want to read it now. Uh, page 473, Madeline Ingalls, A Wrinkle in Time. Oh, wonderful. Uh, I actually Dr. read Chivago. that this time. It goes on and on and on. It's just a wonderful, wonderful holiday read, especially as a gift as you're giving books often to people who you're not quite sure what their reading habits may be. And you simply can't go wrong. And I must note that the very first book listed in this is Edward Abbey's Desert Solitaire, oh, as yeah. it should be. Yeah. James Moose Titch's 1,000 Books to Read Before You Die, a life-changing list. Mm, that oh, sounds boy, wonderful. Yeah, that sounds like that would be great browsing. <laughs> it is. It's, it's great fun. Next book I have in the stack is a regional title. I always love to get at least one regional title on the list. And this is The Life and Times of Dennis Julian, Fur Trapper. Anyone who has hiked or gone down any of the rivers in Canyon Country are familiar with Dennis Julian. He was an early 18th, 19th century French fur trapper who came west. He was a contemporary of Antoine Robidoux. And he left his mark, so to speak, in numerous canyon walls as petroglyphs. And finally, James Knipmeyer, whose uh, best-known book is Butch Cassie Was Here, which is his record of uh, post-colonial inscriptions in the canyon country. Knipmeyer has spent the last 20 years researching Dennis Julian, who he was, where he came from, and why he was in the canyon country. And amazingly enough, there are still inscriptions being discovered of Dennis Julian's, and there is one discovered in the heart of Arches National Park about 25 years ago by Jim Stiles. And anywhere there were trading routes or water routes, there's a chance that there may be a Dennis Julian inscription. So at long last, we have the opportunity to find out more about who Dennis Julian was. Oh, that's great. This is published by a very small press called Aventine Press, but, of course, available through any good independent bookseller. That sounds very interesting, yeah. Uh, Next up, a piece of fiction. One of my favorite authors is Craig Johnson. Mm -hmm. A lot of your listeners will Mm -hmm. know about him Mm -hmm. through the Netflix series Longmire. He's written the 13th in a series of his Longmire mysteries, except Depth of Winter is not truly a Longmire mystery in that it takes place in Mexico in its entirety. And a lot of our favorite Longmire characters, uh, Henry Standing Bear, uh, Victoria Moretti, uh, even the Secretary Ruby, or Jacob Nighthorse, who we have grown to hate in in uh, Longmire, uh, none of them are in the book. And I suppose an author at some point gets tired of his own characters and has to break away. But for those of us who are uh, wed to the characters, it's kind of hard to see the author leave. And yet it is a Longmire uh, mystery uh, so to Walt a large is, extent. Walt is there, it, it huh? stays within the arc of the story. And this is uh, taking place in Mexico where uh, Longmire is chasing down his longtime nemesis, the Mexican drug lord Bedarte, who has kidnapped Longmire's uh, daughter, Katie. 
So it's a it's a fun, riveting read. It's uh, a bit more uh, gory than Johnson's previous books, but uh, yeah, I'm not quite sure I'm going to buy off on it yet. <laughs> okay, but but uh, uh, any Craig Johnson is a is a welcome. Book. Oh, Craig's a great, great yeah. mm-hmm. writer, and we get to meet him every year at the trade shows, and he's just the nicest guy. So uh, he's, he's a great interview as well. I've interviewed him a couple I times. Bet. Yeah. I bet. And, yeah. and and I am familiar with the area where he lives up in Wyoming, and um, you know, it it all comes from there. You know, I've been to the town that is uh, that that fi- is fictionalized in his books. Sure. Yeah. No, he's he's done a, an amazing job as a regional writer, uh, breaking out into a, a national writer, and he was just a, a rancher mm-hmm. who's had a second very fabulous career as a writer. We appreciate him a lot. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so, Andy, what's next on your list? It's a title that Back of Beyond Books had a hand in publishing. It's called Desert Cabal, A New Season in the Wilderness. We co-published this little book with Tory House Press, and it came about as we led up to the 50th anniversary of the book Desert Solitaire by Edward Abbey. Back of Beyond Books had asked Amy Irvine to write an introduction to a facsimile edition of Desert Solitaire that we were planning on publishing. And two months later, the 3,000-word short essay of Amy's turned into about a 9,000-word book, and it simply was unpublishable as an introduction to this facsimile edition of Desert Solitaire, and yet it was so important and so timely in what Amy was writing that we decided that we had to go forth and publish it anyway. So it's a tribute to Desert Solitaire, which, of course, is a timeless classic, But it's also looking at Desert Solitaire 50 years later through the eyes of the Me Too movement, admits the environmental dilemmas that we face with our current administration versus burgeoning tourism in the southwest and Moab in particular. And it's finally a, a very strong woman's perspective on wilderness and wild places and what solitude means to a woman in the wilderness versus a man in the wilderness. Oh, I think that's interesting. Interesting. It's an important read, and I'm extremely proud to have had a a role in it. Desert Cabal, A New Season in the Wilderness by Amy Irvine. Yeah, I'll definitely check that one out. And finally, one last title I'd love to throw in. A couple of years ago, the book Atlas Obscura was published, and this year the same... uh, Authors, uh, Dylan Thuris and Rosemary Mosco, have published a juvenile version of Atlas Obscura, the Explorer's Guide, 47 Countries and 100 Extraordinary Places to Visit. And if this book had been put into my hands as a 12 or 13-year-old, I would not have set it down until I would have finished. Hmm. I, I love these types of young reader adventure uh, books, whether they're atlases or journals of explorers, and this just simply allows the imagination of a young reader to take off, whether they are going to the superconducting super collider or going to the creepy catacombs in Italy or cliff, cliff dwellings. 
or uh, one of the great, uh, let's see, self-built structures, the Smith Mansion in Wyoming. It just goes on and on, and it really breeds the imagination of a young reader. And anytime we can get books into youngsters' hands, I think it's a win-win situation. Tell us again the, uh, the author and title. It's Atlas Obscura, the Explorer's Title for the World's Most Adventurous Kids by Dylan Thuris and Rosemary Mosco. Yeah, that does sound wonderful. Great, yeah. Well, uh, Andy Nettle, Back of Beyond Books, thank you so much. Some great titles there. Well, it's my pleasure, and, and thank you very much for the opportunity. We'll uh, thanks. You. We'll see you. Uh, and happy holidays. Uh, Lane, uh, we have about uh, four minutes. I want to get these next two in. We've uh, we've been tweeted at, uh, Elaine. Oh, uh, so okay. uh, Amber uh, tweeted to at UPR Access. You can as well, at UPR Access. Amber says, I recommend the book, She Has Her Mother's Laugh by Carl Zimmer. It was full of fascinating information, ranging from eugenics to belly button bacteria, origin of Mormon, and maybe most importantly, CRISPR. Best book I've read this year. That's Amber. She recommends She Has Her Mother's Laugh by Carl Zimmer. That sounds very interesting. Mm-hmm. And then Glenn uh, in the Uinta Basin, our friend, uh, says, my two favorites this year. Number one, The Narcissist Next Door by Jeffrey Kluger. Uh, it was written prior to the 2016 election and surprisingly had most of the contenders uh, in it as examples. One in particular was featured very prominently. Go ahead and guess who that was. So that is The Narcissist Next Door, Jeffrey Kluger, K-L-U-G-E-R. Then uh, his uh, second favorite of the year, uh, Glenn says, The Ascent of Money by Niall Ferguson. It was written prior to the 2008 financial collapse and had some amazing insights into government financial behavior and also the collapse. Happy day, says Glenn. Happy day to you, Glenn. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so what's uh, maybe the, another couple of books well, on your I list? Well, I almost forgot um, this one, and it's, it definitely merits uh, mentioning. Uh, this book won the Pulitzer Prize, I believe, in the 80s, um, uh, the, A Confederacy of Dunces uh, by John Kennedy Toole. And this book <coughs> is kind of a cult favorite. It was posthumously published because uh, Toole committed suicide when he was 34. His mother got it published later, I think in the 80s, is when that happened. Uh, But it takes place in the late 50s, early 60s, thereabouts. And, um, uh, you know, I started reading it and I thought, none of these characters are likable. They they live in New Orleans, and um, the central character is Ignatius J. Riley, and uh, he is fat and... Uh, uh, superior, you know, uh, looks down on just about everybody. He uh, doesn't work or doesn't like to work, and he, you know, just he just goes against everything that we're taught is like a virtue, you know. <laughs> but um, as I went through, it is um, the, the the characters just captured me. Mm. You know, at first I hated them, but then I got into it, and it is very funny. It's a funny, funny book, and. Um, uh, it's just, it's just it. It's very typical of that period, kind of, but it it really blazed a lot of uh, uh, trails for writing at that time, and it was so focused on New Orleans and and the culture there, and his his uh, his rendition of some of the 
New Orleans accents, you know, dialect is great. It's it's very mm. well worth reading. A Confederacy of Dunces, who's yes. the author? John Kennedy Toole. John, John Kennedy Toole, okay. Uh, let's see, we have another, uh, looks like maybe a, a, a tweet here. Let's see. Anyway, well, I'll... Uh, Oh, a typo. Uh, Amber uh, tweeted back, um, instead of origin of Mormon, it was origin of moron? Um, moron. Moron, okay. <laughs> she says, Sorry about that typo. Okay. <laughs> anyway, that book is She Has Her Mother's Laugh by Carl Zimmer. Sounds like a great book on DNA and, and those sorts of things. <laughs> uh, l- let me just mention uh, one more uh, from my list, um, and that is uh, a three-volume set. This was published over many years. In fact, uh, William Manchester, the writer, this is a, a three-volume biography of Winston Churchill. It's called The Last Lion. Uh, he died before the uh, last volume was completed and so he had his friend Paul Reed uh, finish this. Uh-huh. William Manchester's wonderful. Uh, he, he's a great writer. Um, this, is, this is high drama, even though you know how things turn out for, mm-hmm. for Churchill, and some great insights into Churchill the Man and, and the Times. Mm. So The Last Lion, three-volume set, William Manchester and Paul Reed. Um, so uh, m- maybe 20 seconds, maybe just the, the author and title for, the, for uh, well, another book Well, I here. discovered, you know, Alexander McCall Smith uh, wrote the number one ladies detective agency series, and those were fun, but I didn't, you know, I didn't read them all. I read a couple of them, but he has a new series out called the Sunday Philosophy Club, and it's a, it takes place in Scotland. I recommend it. Okay, wonderful. And we'll have your entire list on our website, yes. uh, Elaine Thatcher. Elaine, that's a pleasure as always. Thank you. It's always fun. All right. Happy holidays. Happy reading. You too. We'll see you. Okay. And uh, we'll have this list up at upr.org. Thanks for listening. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and the vineyards at Mount Naomi Farms, offering a finished barn with views of Cache Valley for company or family holiday and wedding events. Located at 4460 North, 400 East in Hyde Park. More information available on Facebook or 435-232-8502. A service of the College of Humanities and Social Sciences at Utah State University, this is Utah Public Radio. Heard statewide on KUSR, Logan, KUSK, Vernal, KUSL, Richfield, KUST, Moab, KCEU, Price, and KUSUFM, Logan.